You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast for students, graduates, and anyone else interested in ideas. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. Right, guys, New Year's. You excited for it? Yes. No. <laughs> On the fence. <laughs> really? Just, yeah. just, just another day, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. is it? That's the thing. I mean, it is. Yeah. What else would it be? It's a concept. <laughs> is there some sort of undiscovered category of day that I haven't... All right, you say it's another day. Do you guys do anything special for New Year's at all? Mm, uh, pa. Well, not no, no, I didn't. Last two years, I think I've, re- I've just I kind of dosed down at about eight pm as well. Do you, do you think it's good that there's a sort of cultural thing where we sort of have a reflection on the year we've had? Where because that's kind of what New Year's as a celebration kind of um, fills in a way. It's that we kind of look back at the year and go, "Hey, this happened this year. This happened this year. This happened this year." And maybe maybe that sort of idea of having a sort of self reflection. Mm. moment maybe that's a good thing I, I agree i think it's like probably the only time of year you see people on mass taking stock of what the fuck they've done with their year and it's kind of sad that we need that as a day i feel like people should be quite proactive in doing that as their year goes along but if that's what it takes to kind of unite people in having at least one day a year where you actually think what have i done for the last mm-hmm. 360 even days? if people aren't sold on new year's you, you have no choice to, to you can't avoid it effectively yeah well, this, <laughs> this is my thinking so i'm not entirely sure if it is this like big existential moment where people are actually taking stock of their lives i'd like to believe that but part of me kind of cynically feels it's a little bit of a gimmick the whole mm. new, new year new me stuff I, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that people are actually and it, it kind of leads on to revolu- uh, resolutions because I, I don't think people are particularly effective at making resolutions. I think there was a study from um, Bristol University. Most resolutions end up getting broken, typically, according to pretty much all the research there is available out there. Do you think it's important, though, to separate this, what I would say is, yeah, the very trivial part of it, which is the fact that so many people suddenly realise, oh, I have an arbitrary new start of a day, and thus I'm going to do this thing that I know I should be doing anyway, but because yeah. it's an arbitrary new start of the date, that I'm, I'm going to really start to do it now, even though, in fact, the problem is that you haven't actually produced a new framework in order to enforce this behaviour for mm-hmm. yourself, which I think is the most important. If you're, going, if you're intending to start a new thing, let's say that's more regular exercise, going to the gym, what you need to do is have a plan for how am I going to enforce this for myself? How am I going to make this behaviour... A, a thing that I'm actually going to do rather than just yeah. like every other time sort of start it and then go, oh, you know, give up in a month or so, which New Year's resolution happened to be. It's like, this is the problem is we have this problem where we go, well, New Year's, that means it's a, there's an actual reason, there's a there's a sort of thing that's going to incentivize me to stick to this resolution. But unfortunately, it, it, there isn't actually any framework there. Yeah, I think part of that is that there's very little sort of cultural framework around New Year's. It's not, it's a ritual that we all partake in and it's this big cultural moment, but it's not, it's a little bit hollow. It's not quite enough. Mm. But, I, but I would say the actual reflection part that I mentioned earlier, I would say that is actually kind of cultural in a way. It's just the the idea of starting anew and actually enforcing new behaviours or being in a new place, or, you know, tomorrow is the next day of the rest of your life. Um, all that sort of thing kind of, that's, yeah, is quite fallacious and a bit weird. But I think 
especially if you look at you know you look at the television during during New Year's Eve, a lot of it is oh what what's happened this year, what's reflected in the hmm. things. You know, I, th- I think that's definitely a thing that seems to be uh, a cultural part of it. But yeah, the the idea of starting anew is very poorly thought out. Yeah, well, it, it, I think it's a problem of specificity. There's not, you know, how do we actually go about practically making sure that, you know, we we take on these new attitudes and, you know, if you want to start losing weight or you want to be a better person, it's like, it all just seems very vacuous um, a lot of the time. I mean, it, it has it has maybe worked for me one or two times in the past. Have you, have you guys ever made a resolution? Are you making, yeah, are you making yeah, one this year? Yeah, I have. have it, did, it, did it work? Uh, yeah, it did actually. Um, my my resolution last year was to um, be a lot more consistent with my training and my dieting, and it, and it's worked. I've got in much better shape. So, and I agree with you completely. I think mm. too many people they're quick to virtue signal about what they're putting in place. They're quick to give in to the societal pressure of actually having a New Year's resolution. I think they're more concerned with putting on Facebook or whatever their social media of choices. Look, this is what I'm going to do. And they treat it as if it's done and dusted then. And the kind of the kind of the proud moment for them is just having that New Year's resolution when in reality, as you've pointed out rightly, they're not they have no plan in place. They have no framework. They've made no changes to the type of person they are. They're the kind of person that hasn't done that for their whole life, assumingly. Well, I don't want to be too cynical because um I mean, yeah, sure, it doesn't work if you if it you're literally just doing this once a year. But mm. it also is very hard. Um to sort of contemplate and put into practice things like personal growth. That's a, that is quite a hard thing. It sounds easy, but it, well, maybe it doesn't sound easy, but it's, it's very difficult to nail down the specifics of how to do that. So it's um, pretty much the only preparation I did for this. Mm. I watched a, an hour long sort of seminar on uh, how to use stoicism. An to hour? Help, to help you. Yeah, it was a whole hour. Oh, you mental. A whole hour of my life. I'll never get back. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was pretty good. It was, it was, um, there's this lecture this guy gave on how to use stoicism um, and those kinds of ways of thinking to sort of make sure you stick to your resolutions and make sure the kinds of resolutions you're making are beneficial. Because um, stoicism is one of those easy philosophies you can just sort of, um, you don't have to have any pre-existing framework, I guess, underneath it. You can kind of just use it to, to make your life yeah. easier. Although the weird thing is if, you, if you're being stoic about your resolutions in a way, what's the point in resolutions? Because if you're being stoic, you would generally be considering all these things, you know, regardless of the arbitrary dateline. But to to your point about uh, people taking resolutions and then um, sort of talking about them, like like you use the word virtue signaling, but um, when you actually actually tell people about things you're going to do, plans you have, interesting, what that actually does is you release a certain amount or a small amount of dopamine in telling Mm. people that you're, you're going to do something. And what that actually does is it, it actually sort of cheats your reward mechanism into going, oh, I've kind of done a bit of it. And you end up actually being less likely to complete the task because you've already had that sort of self-satiation of going, I'm going to do this. And Mm. often the best thing to do is just not tell anyone what you're going to do. That was the first thing you said when I started playing mandolin. You're like, yeah. don't fucking tell me you're playing mandolin because mm-hmm. you won't do it. Mm. Yeah, it's like don't don't make a big deal out of it. Just do it. Like don't, you don't have to tell people because the problem is you'll you'll trick your brain into thinking you've done something because you're going you're telling everyone you're doing it, but that doesn't mean you're doing it. That just means you're getting a little bit of that sort of reward feeling from telling people you're doing something instead of just doing it and getting on with it and then you know seeing the results from that. You've actually gone on to my two, one of my two New Year's resolutions for this year. So I'm, I, I tend to be quite proactive in my resolutions. I like to think about them 
and not just rush into them. So one of them is um, to adhere to a morning routine that I've set out and I've been quite comprehensive and how I've laid that out. And that, that, that's, I guess, by the by. But the, the main one that you've just touched on there is to kind of have this attitude of working silently and doing stuff without needing the gratification of others whilst I'm on my journey and maybe posting my achievements when I've actually got there. And they're like, oh yeah, I've been doing all this for the last 50 days. I've just achieved this. Great. I'll share that with you. But apart from that, just keeping quiet because I'm a sucker for getting involved in telling people I'm doing this and doing that and all the social media stuff. So that's something I really want to fix because yeah. I don't particularly like that about myself. And I think it's quite you, an easy trap yeah. people fall into. So, yeah. do, do you feel you rely quite a lot on that sort of validation from other people with mm, what you're doing? or Not as much as I used to when I was younger. Definitely mm. not. I, I, I definitely... Um, I'm not as much of a person who likes to be seen doing something as opposed to actually doing it. It's like the people that when they go and give money to the homeless, like the most important part is that they were filmed. That's how they see it. It's the filming of it. It's the fucking, you know, the picture of them and the homeless guy holding a five pound note between them and giving a thumbs up to the camera, (laughs) you know, like that. I've never been quite that bad, but as I've gotten older, I've been slowly learning. I think this year it's something I particularly want to focus on. Um, so yeah, that's a really interesting point you just made. I didn't know all that about the dopamine and stuff. That's fucking yeah. cool. I mean, Zach, what about your New Year's? Do you ever make any resolutions or is that just... No, I, I tend not to. Again, no, I, I, I do agree that um, it should be, you know, a self-fulfilling pursuit. You shouldn't have to conform to any quota as such that you your peers you you know you might feel pressured from others or from yourself to you know set these you know this this checklist but yeah it should it should become something that's you know rewarding internally gives you you know sense of achievement without having to yeah please everyone so it sometimes it doesn't have to be anything dramatic you know it can just be kind of almost five ten percent incremental increases in performance output at a time and yeah. you, you won't get any medals for that as such or any accolades but you know that you you're one step close to where you want to be that's what i find mm. yeah well it, it's it's picking your battles as well like finding things that you actually have control of and this, this is the important part in, in like why something like stoicism helps so much um i'll put a link to the the seminar in the in the notes but um i just i do you want to like do you want to hear about it? Shall I yeah. unpack some of that stuff? Mm, sure. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, stoicism. Do we? You guys know what that is, yeah? Um, shall we give a brief? Mine is, yeah, my yeah. yeah. mind. like a rough definition. For those who haven't heard remember. it before, definitely not me. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, stoicism as a movement started in, say, I think, I believe it was the third century uh, BC. This was sort of a, a thing that came out of Greek philosophy. This is sort of like want to think about it sort of sort of late plato time i would yeah, say yeah so there are a bunch of philosophical schools and stoicism was uh, one of the the most enduring of all of those you had other ones like the um yeah, epicureans and stuff and different uh, disciplines ways of looking at the world and they were probably more uh the equivalent of something like a monastery because they, they would devote their whole lives to these things so um it's it's a kind of a holistic way of looking at everything you do and way you're thinking and your approach to life completely it's all to do with that kind of what we can control and what we can't control so we've done an episode on this before um me and sam talked about it because sam takes on a lot of stoicism with some of his teaching and stuff and the, the his work and his personal life but it's not like the phantom menace where they're all just like stood being really boring and talking to each yeah. other you should say <laughs> the, the definition the way we actually use stoic in sort of our modern way of talking about it is sort of emotionless it means to be uh, synonym would be stolid. 
it means to not have any but that isn't actually really the definition that's that isn't stoicism as a movement or what it sort of historically represented that's just sort of what it ended up becoming sort of known as is um due to the fact that our, we have a word that's from that that's derived from the same place that has ended up meaning emotionless but that's not what it's about it, in fact it's in, in many ways it's about uh, achieving uh, eudaimonia as the greeks called it a sort of state of fulfillment or flourishing um, yeah, which, which, does which is, different. is different from like grinning. If you don't, you know, like this absolute state of happiness. Like if that's what you think is happiness, that's it's more about fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Just what because eudaimonia always gets translated as happiness, and it's like, well, it's not, it's not mm. quite. It. It's more like flourishing or yeah. fulfillment. Or and the example yeah. you use is, you know, a, a her like being shooting up with heroin. You're going to be very happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's 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 very different to say that that's a meaningful thing it's or, or something to do with your oh, flourishing. So it's not just something that gives you kind of you know contentedness. It has to be yeah. something. Yeah, it's the pursuit of what's meaningful versus what makes you happy. Yeah, because that would be more part of what, as as people know, is the hedonistic sort of side of yeah. things. Uh, whereas, like this word eudaimonia, I think really should come back into English because it really is a very good word for mm. what we normally have to use stuff like yeah, a vitality or human flourishing instead. Mm. I think fulfillment kind of does most of the legwork. Um, it, it, yeah, it's difficult because I, I think it, it also relies on the, that kind of older context and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, to, to do this, you um, partake in something called prohoresis, which is uh, kind of like prioritizing thought, prioritizing w- what's important. Um, in order to cultivate virtue. Ar- Aristotelianism is different to Stoicism, but you, some of the ideas do cross over. But, um, so m- much like Aristotle, they thought that um, we are what we habitually do. So habit breeds these kind of virtues that are desirable for eudaimonia, basically. Yeah, uh, it's essentially the virtues or the things that you think are good qualities about yourself, what you're enforcing as a as a part of your behavioural being in a regular <clears throat> in a regular way, that is what um, the Stoics would say, well, that's that's the primary thing that's most important. So we need to be thinking about um, thinking about how we should be controlling ourselves in such a way that we can achieve um, proper fulfilment and and like, like you said, be very sort of able to control one's uh, you know innate. Yeah. Um, persuasions so you can see how this would relate to something like making a resolution about like to stop smoking they'd say that it's all about controlling habits giving into a, a certain habit makes it harder the next time they talked a lot about that but they there's also this really strange idea that we have because most people who break their uh their resolutions they'll break them on like january the third go, oh shit that's me done yeah <laughs> yeah and it's, it's like, it's like so go. as it? if it's like a streak as if it's like mm-hmm. oh i broke the streak never mind next next year but which shows they never really wanted it in the first place yeah mm-hmm. well, well stoicism would they had one foot in the door the whole time yeah exactly mm-hmm. and stoicism would kind of say uh, it, it's a bit like um you know starting boxing or starting running or whatever if you lose that doesn't mean you you have lost yeah you know, it's it's a process and it's, yeah. it's a constant reflective process yeah it's undertaking that journey isn't it mm-hmm. and, and it sort of ties into that idea that i was talking about when you have new things that you want to achieve mm-hmm. it's it's not just it's not good enough to just write down the thing you want to achieve and go i'm going to go for that you have to develop an entire framework an entire way in which you are going to con- manipulate yourself your own being your own personality 
to be able to achieve that goal. You have to yeah. remember that you are piloting this fucking annoying thing <laughs> that has this, like, has all these weird, like, it has laziness, it has, like, innate, you know, desires. Sometimes we just want to, like, give up or do something. And you have to be able to develop a framework not only to help uh, that annoying thing you are piloting to achieve that goal, but also because you, as the rational thinking person who is coming up with this list, is not necessarily going to be the same as you when you have something bad happen in your life and you're depressed mm-hmm. and you're not thinking the same way. You have to be able to prepare for that future self as well mm-hmm. that is unable to necessarily accomplish the task. You have to develop a framework, whether that's habituality, so you're talking about enforcing behaviours, so that even when you're not 100% you, or you're feeling bad or whatever, you're feeling weak, you're feeling you want to cheat on whatever this rule is, you want to enforce the behaviour so much that you won't even cheat because it's, it becomes habitual to, to uh, fulfil it, or have a framework in place, like I was saying, look, whether that's... Uh, the way in which you are organising yourself towards the goal, um, or having a very detailed understanding of where you need to be going next, mm-hmm. so that that future self can communicate with that past self and go, oh, hang on, yeah, he he said I need to you know make sure I don't do this, or like make sure I need to uh, uh, you know adhere to this. I think a large part of that um, kind of controlling those steps is to you know there's the whole there's the whole self-control element but i think it's also important and the stoics did this as well they kept diaries and stuff but they also would work on these kinds of projects together which is why you have things like weight watches at the moment like mm-hmm. you have these communal groups so they can remind each other and do the you know because the more attentiveness you're putting into a practice the more likely you are to do it the, you know the more attentive you are to progress and the more you know the less likely you are to consistently fail it's not again it's that's this weird myth that i think we need to dispel is like failing is fine it's about failing less and less that is the point of a resolution mm-hmm. you know we have it, a we have a saying in in boxing um which is um uh, you don't lose you only win or you learn and i think it's quite a poignant um phrase to be honest because you totally it totally changes the way that you look at what you would previously have interpreted as a failure so for instance Somebody, I think one of the most common New Year's resolutions you'll hear, um, particularly for um, for women, and I hate to generalise, but just from most of the women I talk to, the New Year's resolutions do tend to be around weight loss. That seems to be one that I hear a lot. Um, even in my own family, I hear that. And I think when you're talking with people like that, it's important that you reiterate to them, okay, well, you're not going to succeed straight away. Mm. You, you you need to, first of all, like Nice prepare them for every eventuality. And I think if you unpack that kind of thing, people then start to get scared because they're like, oh, well, well, I just thought I'd just go to the gym or something. And suddenly they realise that to actually do it, they've got to look up numbers of PT. They've got to get a friend to go with them because they've got anxiety about being at the gym. They've got to get a diet plan. They've got to find a calorie counter. Mm-hmm. And as the list goes on and on and on, that's a real test of whether someone really wants it or not. And I think, like Nice said, more people need to actually be aware of when they are going to set out to do something like that, they need to know what it's going to entail. They need to really want it, so it has to be meaningful. And they need to make sure that they're in a position where they're not setting themselves up to fail, because if they do yeah. that, they're just going to knock their confidence. Live, they're not going to want to do it again. Yeah, we live yeah. in a time, unfortunately, of, uh, well, a very fickle time of results. Instant results are imperative, yeah. whether that's someone's favourite football manager losing six matches in a row and getting sacked, or someone not obtaining the correct grades that they wanted the first time for... Uh, for school and then therefore being seen as an instant failure compared to their peers and uh, people are just kind of scared of failure in that way and it kind of detracts them really and it's a bit of a shame because people people tend to overlook because of that the 
no one ever really ever sits down and discusses with anyone generally um you know the the philosophy of what you know why they're doing it what they're doing you know why they're trying to set these tangible goals and how they're going to achieve them like they say within these frameworks it's just about results 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 yeah so stoics were really big on the idea that we can only control how we sort of internalize things happening to us so you know someone punches you in the face they'd say oh well you know you couldn't control that why are you annoyed about it what you can control is how you react to it Mm -hmm. Um, so taking that on board with resolutions it's probably a better idea well for a start you should probably be not be making resolutions on um new year's eve night you know probably don't do that you've had Impulsive. 10 points already yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's no. that impulsivity we talked about already yeah, isn't it yeah, it's about sure. p- planning it and, and and probably not even in december you know it's going to be something you've been contemplating for a very long time mm-hmm. you know? um mm-hmm. december's a busy period like you want to be thinking about this properly and think about whether it's external factors at play so it's like the goal is to make more money all right well that's at least for a stoic a particular and i think that's i think i would agree with them it's a particularly hard one that is you know making more money because it relies on all these external variables and it's also a very vague goal it's yes, not very well, useful to say uh, well just be a better person or just yeah, earn yes, more exactly. money or, you know. Specificity. what does that mean yeah you need to drill down and you need to give yourself a better chance of succeeding because if you're vague the, the criteria is vague and you're never going to yeah. measure up to it if it's like oh, i aim to be a better person you may have made a couple of changes towards that. And if you've been a bit more specific, you might have actually come away with a sense of achievement. But if you just look at it like, well, I'm not a better person, even though if you really, really analyse it underneath the microscope, they actually had done a couple of really good things, but then they give up after a week. So I think being specific and taking the time to plan it out is seriously important. I think picking something that's meaningful as well, something that you actually really, really want and not something that's just going to look trendy to your mates. Well, something that you need, I think, will, will be a, such a big drive for it. And, and just have that process of thinking about, well, what do I need? Mm. Why am I making this resolution? Do I Is this something I need? So, you know, like properly thinking about what that will do for you and, and how hard that will be mm-hmm. to, to do it and whether it's worth that. Goal. So weight loss. Well, you can't... I, this is why it's really bad. You can't have umbrella resolutions mm-hmm. like be a better person well, what does that mean in yeah. what sense pick an area because otherwise it's going to be really really difficult for you so weight loss you've got to how are you going to lose weight is there any there's any what two or three ways you can actually lose weight eat less run or have an operation well it's a sort mm. of either increase the output or decrease the input yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. and then it's like, ideally both yeah. yeah and it's like so how it's going to be really hard how have you got measures in place to cope with that because obviously if it, if it wasn't hard you, you'd be doing it already mm-hmm. so what yeah. are you going to do differently thanks for mentioning things like weight watchers but also generally um can you mention sort of groups and sort of fear of failure from peers as such as well mm-hmm. um i'd be interested to see if there was some kind of you know quantitative research and data to show that showed a positive correlation between how many people there are in a group compared to an individual and then the percentage chance of success of a resolution because I, 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 you know, not based on anything quantitative here, but I reckon because we are naturally supposed to be social animals, mm-hmm. um, that in a group you'd probably be more likely to achieve those goals, kind of at least short term goals more consistently. I think, I, anyway, I have no data, research. I have no data that. to back that up, but from my personal experience talking to people, I know that go to group exercise classes. Um, group like Weight Watchers and, and so forth. I personally think that Weight Watchers is a nonsense. I don't like a lot of the teachings that they they offer, but 
the fact that they're offering a group oh, yes. where people who are probably quite insecure about their bodies can go along and they can all be there to mm. motivate each other. They don't feel like they're under scrutiny from what they deem to be a big nasty world full of people looking at them. Absolutely, I what's think. Your, what's your beef with Weight Watchers? Uh, there's a lot of nonsenses in it. I think the sin-free foods, Weight Watchers are the ones that do the sin-free. They they offer, or is that um, weight slimming world? There's the, there's yeah, the, the meal right. replacement shakes and so forth. There's a lot of pseudoscience that comes along with their idea of nutrition. Um, ultimately, I teach people two things. I, I work for a healthcare company that you can lose weight whilst eating unhealthily and you can gain weight whilst eating healthily. Weight loss and eating healthily are two completely different yeah. things. Ideally, you want both. Um, but right, you, yeah. I could eat 700 calories of McDonald's a day and you could eat 3,500 calories of organic salads every day. I'd be the one that loses weight every time. I'd also be the one yeah, that gained type yeah. 2 diabetes and died of a fucking heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a separate point. So, yeah, yeah, But yeah, no, yeah. I, I've, I've kind of um, gone off the rails here a bit, but no, I, I agree with you. I think I think having a group, having people that can be there to motivate you, and I know we I keep th- focusing on... the main thing is accountability, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the... Because I've, I've sort of talked... One side of the coin, as we mentioned earlier, is this idea of, well, you get that dopamine hit from sharing too much. Mm-hmm. But on this other side of the coin is like, if there is a degree of accountability in something, that can be a powerful motivator. If I have, if I'm going to be embarrassed, or am I going to be a group? Yeah, have I lost two stone this week? You know, if I'm going to be held accountable for not actually accomplishing my goals, and that's an important part of it, which which often isn't in the resolutions. There's no accountability. Yeah, this is this is the last time I mentioned the Stoics. It's a fucking bang on there, but um, (laughs) they they, um, that that was kind of the crux of of. um, where they were coming from in how they made resolutions. So uh, like we are, most of us today, they were materialists. So that kind of meant lots of different things, namely that there wasn't a God, there wasn't any kind of providence that would kind of solve their problems for them. So it was this kind of self-ownership of reality. That was like the big thing. Also, there was no afterlife. So it was all about making the most of what they had. Yeah, I think um, prioritizing as well is like seriously good. I mean, one of the things that um, I got taught this year was uh, the serenity prayer. I don't know if any of you know it. Uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's basically some religiously word. It's bless, grant me God the strength to accept the things I cannot change. And the, the basically saying there's stuff in life that you can't change and there's stuff in life that you can change. Focus on that. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind is if you're setting yourself something, and I, I did allude to this earlier, but just to reiterate for anyone that's listening that's actually taken advice from this group of numpties, oh, don't, no, set, don't, don't set yourself up to fail. Don't set something mm. that is not actually going to work because all that's going to do is going to knock your confidence. You're going to be less life, likely yeah. to do more goal setting because what a New Year's resolution, when done effectively, should do, it shouldn't set you up to wait until January the 1st of the next year to put the next one in place. You should get the ball rolling and by, I don't know, February, March, whatever it is, the time scale may vary dependent on what you've actually chosen to do. You should be like, yeah, do you know what? Fuck, I'm smashing this. I'm going to do something else now. I'm going to keep the momentum going. I fixed that in my life. I've become, you know, specifics about being a better person. You know, I'm less argumentative now. How about I fix that? And it gets you into that sort of forward moving momentum of positivity. And that's what people need. So I think the first thing is be realistic with yourself. You know, if I say I'm going to become a six foot eight jacked basketball player, (laughs) obviously, you know, and it's a silly example, but, I'm setting myself up to fail 
But if I set myself something realistic, something achievable, something that is going to challenge me... And has all the very specific steps to achieve that. Precisely. Yes, exactly. And again, and yeah, I think if, if anyone's going to take stuff away from this, it's just be prepared and don't set out to do something on a whim. Think about it. Why am I doing this? Why do I want to do this? What is this going to do for me? And how the fuck am I going to do it? And if you can tick all those boxes off and square all that away and you've got a plan in place, then, my friend, you've got a good New Year's resolution. Mm. I think, yeah, especially momentum with kind of setting new goals is a very important thing because a lot of people think have that mindset of perfectionism. It's an all-or-nothing approach. Yeah. So, conversely, you have people that will uh, you know, achieve numerous goals and some people that are kind of stuck in gear one because they're kind of already envisaging their own failing because you know something might not have materialized perfectly mm -hmm. the way they wanted yeah, what, what i was saying um what i was saying earlier about the, the whole idea that probably should be a cultural framework and to underpin a lot of this stuff he's smiling at me nice burp really that uh, really right. obnoxiously <laughs> like while you're talking <laughs> Thank you. Also, apologies for this really squeaky chair. I'm like really uncomfortable. Mate, it's squeaky, squeaky chairs are our thing. It's so obnoxious. Um, yeah, so what I was saying to you earlier about the cultural framework underpinning this, I think that would kind of help. Because I, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb a little bit and say that I think that the making of resolutions and the celebrating of, of New Year's Eve should probably be a bigger cultural institution than it is. It shouldn't be as hollow and as bland as it currently is mm -hmm. and i think it'd be nice to almost frame it as a spiritual practice and something that everybody more or less takes seriously communally yeah. I, li I like the idea of it just being a reflective yeah. um cultural practice the yes. idea of as we've been laying out about resolutions i think the problem with those is those are much more difficult much more specific you require much more planning etc and that's why i don't think it necessarily works as a cultural holiday to say, use resolutions or whatever, I'm going to be a new me. I think that's just sort of this weird arbitrary thing that's being tacked on that I think needs an entire framework of its own. But I, I like the idea of self-reflection, of reflection of what's been going on, of what's sort of like what we've lost and what we've gained during the year. I think that's there's nothing wrong with having that as an actual um, festival. Yeah, but do, do you think that's what it's currently doing? Um, I think it's definitely doing that, yes. I think that right. there's obviously, like you said, there's lots of all this packed on stuff, and I think New Year's resolution is definitely one of those things. I think New Year's, I think I think that's like a symptom of a greater problem, though, because you could say the same about Christmas. You could say uh, about most of the festivals we have, they have all become, to some extent, a sort of sham, really. Like Easter's mm -hmm. like it. Yeah, Easter's, more, Easter's more about mm -hmm. chocolate than, than the circle of life and reincarnation yeah. or whatever it's set out to be initially. Yeah. Like, I mean, we did, I don't think we did a Halloween about reincarnation. And like, you know, in our Halloween podcast, we're talking about how Halloween is just so heavily commercialized now. And yeah, it's it totally day, devoid. Right? Do you guys want some history on New Year's? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Right. Let me, I got to some mind. hard facts here. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, there have been loads and loads of different like ancient examples of people marking the year or whatever. But yeah. the idea of the resolution actually um, ties in with that a lot. The Babylonians used to make offerings to God. The uh, Romans, like, what's the God of luck in... Ancient Rome, Janus, the two heads, I think. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So they would make offerings to, to usually a god associated with luck. It's kind of a, a motif throughout the ancient world, mm. um, which I think is kind of uh, interesting. Um, yeah. but the, Although the where New Year actually started has very much varied over the ages. Yeah. 
depending on which calendar right. you Right, mate, using. I don't yeah. understand the Gregorian calendar and the Julian calendar. Right. I don't, right, explain. Do you want to go down that rabbit hole? Let's I go, do. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go down let's, the calendar let's, rabbit let's hole. Let's mind drop let's, let's, 1580s okay. Let's condense it. No, I do some 1580s <laughs> shit here. That's what we All need. Right, so let's get out some dates because I actually have some dates that I wrote down. Well, while you do that, I was just going to say the last example, right? Yeah. Middle Ages, mm. knights would do this kind of chivalric thing where yeah. they would, um, after Christmas, they would make something called a peacock vow. Yeah. Which is basically like an, a, a, a reiteration of their commitment to be mm. chivalric. Yeah. There's a lot about luck. Yeah. And so I know um, in Chinese culture, in the Chinese New Year, um, it's traditional for elders to give their kids uh, like a one, like not a one pound note, but you know what I'm on about, like some money as a it's symbol a, a of quid, luck. Mate. And they still <laughs> give the little dangly charms, which is like a coin with the red tassels on it. And it's seen as luck, but there is a lot of emphasis on kind of luck and wishing you well for the new year coming forward. So it's a really yeah. symbolic sort of passing of the torch from this year's out the way, let's hope this one's a good one. It is something yeah. that everyone looks forward at. And that's what I mean. So, so in, the, in wider Britain, we don't really have any of those kind of ritualistic things to tie in with this. We just go to the pub, get wrecked, and then... Stonehenge, mate. Stonehenge. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> We're not playing fucking Stonehenge. Stonehenge. So the... Um, yeah, the Welsh and Scottish, they have much more specific things. I'll get onto those later. Nine, do you have that Gregorian Oh, you calendar? want to talk about... Okay, let's, I do, let's yeah. talk... Let's, I think was, ma maybe Pope, one way yeah. to do this is talk about it sort of from from present day backwards. It might be an easier way to talk about calendars, but, but calendars are like one of these things that very quickly get very complicated and crazy. So like the Gregorian calendar, for example, um, the current one we're using, it was from 1582. It's from that was That was yeah, yeah. Pope Gregory the 13th. Um, and he essentially, a lot of the reason why calendars were adjusted, especially historically, was actually for religious reasons, because Easter would drift a lot. Mm. And so they noticed that Easter was drifting, depending on where their definition of where Easter was landing. And this was quite embarrassing for the Catholic Church. So multiple times uh, the calendars were adjusted to try and make sure Easter was on the same day. But obviously the problem is that the year is, you know, it's like 365 point and there's like lots of four of a day. You know, yeah, you've got like a lot of digits after that. So you have this problem where like, okay, how are we going to actually resolve this in terms of just physical days? Um, and the Gregorian calendar has a, a lot of good adjustments. I think I think it's once every uh, three thousand years. I want to say it goes out by about a day. So it has about an accuracy. The current calendar we're on has about an accuracy of sort of one day of every three thousand years. It's going to go a bit skewy. That's because the year is kind of. Uh, this weird slightly longer than 365 uh, days um, and obviously the way we currently also talk about time uh, so you might have heard of UTC universal coordinated mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. so this is the way the universal coordinated time is actually uh, is done is we have multiple nuclear clocks in different places and it's the average of those nuclear clocks and that's how we get universal coordinated time mm. um, but that also has to be adjusted in terms of uh, you have to occasionally you have a leap second and things in U in UTC even because UTC is also comparing itself to other sort of readings uh, based on uh, you know stuff like quasars and things like this. We're looking at like the frequency of certain things and the positions of certain things um, in astronomy, and we're also sort of adjusting it to that. So unfortunately, you also have relativity, which makes things even more complicated because you have. For example, the core of the Earth is about 2.5 years younger than the surface of the Earth due to time dilation. Yeah. So you have this weird. So, so since this, you know, since the uh, Earth formed, mm. obviously things in a in a lower gravitational um, state, the clocks move faster. 
this is obviously such a subtle effect that you end up with like all sorts of uh, crazy stuff. So one one crazy example is uh, a, a dam in China um, increases the length of uh, the day by about zero point zero six microseconds. Wow! Um, is that, is that from the, tide, this, like the tidal? Yeah. Effect. So because because this Whoa. amount of water is collected in one place, right. that has an effect on the angular momentum of the Earth. And so if you're taking <sighs> angular momentum out of the turn of the Earth. That actually changes the the length of the day, <laughs> which is quite interesting. And mm. I, th- I think the hang on, let's find the actual stats. So I don't forget this, but the current day is actually one point seven milliseconds longer than it was a hundred years ago. Um, and every hundred million years, you gain about an hour um, on the day. Um, I mean, I know in the Precambrian period, the day was about twenty one hours long. I think it was twenty one hours. Um, so you can get this idea that like the way we're defining days and years and all of things is is gets difficult. And to go back to the Gregorian calendar, again, we have this problem where not only are things sort of slightly shifting over massive timescales, but um, you also have this problem with the fraction at which of days that you also have added onto um, the tropical year. But there's also other ways to define a year. So we actually use a tropical year, which is to do with seasons. That's what that's what it's about. It's about, okay, when, when, is, when is the orbit of the Earth in such a way that we have... Uh, and the axial tilt and all this sort of thing giving us the seasons um and that's the way we want to define it but there's also what's called a sidereal year which is also when we look at the stars and we're looking at the positions of things in the sky and going oh when do these sort of return to the same sort of places they are and that's also another way to define when is north magnetic north true north it's but even before um uh, the gregorian calendar we had stuff like the julian calendar that was just like a it was just gregorian which is a revised version like an upgraded version of the Julian calendar. Yes, wasn't it? yeah, it was. Right, so yeah. Julius Caesar uh, was the. I don't know if it was one of him himself or whether it was someone he. he you know, you never know. I don't. I haven't digged into the history of this, but <laughs> boy, um, you have a man. calendar named after. Yeah, yeah. He's but, a modest guy, and he talks in the third person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <like. laughs> what a dude. <laughs> but um, yeah. Before that, it was the Julius calendar, uh, the Julian calendar, and uh, that's actually where we get the name June from. Is uh, from Julius Caesar. Where, where because, do we get Augustus yeah. from? Uh, um, <laughs> we made up. <laughs> Well, August actually comes from Augustus. Which, yeah, I know. Yeah, so, I yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah. So, you, so actually, a lot of the name, the months are actually named was after May was my Mayus, Maya yeah. or something. And originally, there were ten when there were ten months. Uh, there's still an era carried forward when you didn't have January and February. So, sept seven, oct eight should be the seventh and eighth months of the year respectively whereas actually they are 9th 10th 11th and so oh, on right. so that was the addition of january and february and that's yeah. when it just gets really fucking because romans loves putting things in tens so we actually yeah. had, used to have i think the julian calendar it might be the julian calendar it might be earlier um it probably was and it had 10 months so this is the problem you also have like a lot mm. of the names being carried on for the months that's why you have like October on the tenth of the month, even though because we used to have like ten months, so October would have actually been the eighth. Um, so you have all these like weird historical wow. things where things are carried on to like the next version of the calendar that's trying to adjust for Easter, flying around the place and going like, <laughs> yeah. "Wait, hang on, this isn't Easter." Um, and so, yeah, calendars have been revised over and over again over the years. I mean, like most of our current conceptions of the calendar actually do come from uh, Roman influence and that's like most of where sort of the things really started were trying to be organized uh was yeah, like, yeah. that's why you that's why you hear about the julian calendar and our, our current calendar but yeah and before that it was just 
absolute mess. Like, you wouldn't believe the Babylonian calendar. Just, it was poor trial and error. Well, the Babylonians are responsible for are the names of our weekdays and things like this. I mm. mean, especially in other languages. But in English, we have a lot of, like, Norse influence, where a lot of uh, words got replaced for uh, Norse gods later on. But um, stuff like uh, Monday, for example, uh, comes from Mars, because the actual week, days of the week came from planets, mm. uh, because the Babylonians had a sort of cyclical thing going on where... They divided the hours of the day, so 24 hours in a day, they divided those hours to be named after one of the planets. And at that time, there were seven planets uh, that were known. And so they named every hour of the day, and this cycle would repeat. So it would be like the seven planets, and then next seven hours, you have the next seven planets. Sort of, And obviously, yeah. seven doesn't go into 24 neatly. So what you'd end up with every day, the day hour would start with a new planet. And so that day would be called after that particular planet and so you have that's where the weeks came from because if you keep that going you realize that it sort of it cycles back on itself after a week so that's where you get a lot of the weekdays and then obviously you can see 52 weeks in the year yeah and in french it's sort of more obvious you can see see more of the uh like where that root is a lot better but in english obviously we we are some of the weekdays also got sort of replaced with uh norse gods and things like this and because of that influence but yeah so the calendars are mental but Lund, is it Lundi, Lundi, Mardi, Mercredi. So what, that is that yeah. is actually Mercury, Venus. You know, in that order. Yeah, Vendredi, yeah. yes, yes. Jupiter. Blown. I'm assuming our listeners yeah. can't see my face right now, but I have the face of a man that has just been thoroughly red pilled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking like a whole tub of red pills forced down my throat. I, I quite like I quite like this. Us, us three just sitting listening tonight. It's like autistic Sesame Street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's so many things to learn that is. Oh, so good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, before that, they were measuring time. So, like, for example, the first sundial, I believe, was about uh, was sort of ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt so, um, oh, I thought yeah. I invented that. Me back garden. <laughs> but yeah. stick in the ground. <laughs> yeah, calendar, calendars were interesting because at first they were obviously to mark the seasons and try to get that. And then what's interesting is a lot of what helped to specify. Uh, calendars and the reason why stuff like the Julian calendar and later the Gregorian calendar became formalised as I mentioned is because of Christianity because they they wanted to make sure that Easter was on the same day and they're like well why the hell is this drifting this yeah. far away and it, it was embarrassing so they were like oh we need to introduce introduce leap years and, we need to, and obviously now we have leap seconds in UTC and things but we still technically use the Gregorian calendar which does drift, but yeah, I mean, timekeeping now is absolutely mental. And like you know, like I said, it's like we have to use atomic clocks. We have to allow for the rotation of the Earth is like a big is a big problem because the rotation of the Earth is slowing very is like gradually slowing mm. as well. Wow. So we have all these problems. Uh, so one is uh, so tidal forces. So for example, the Moon and the Earth, uh, there are tidal forces going on uh, gravitationally, mm. and the Moon is actually uh, slowly sort of drifting out very slightly, and it's sort of that. That process um, is slowing the rotation That's of the Earth. slowing it down as well. Yeah, oh, so we have this other interest. So there's multiple reasons why, uh, yeah, the Earth's rotation is slowing. And like I said, there's uh, the days were much shorter. Precambrian, days were about 20 hours long, 21 hours long, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so you have this, like, weird thing where, yes, days are getting uh, longer because the rotation of the Earth is slowing <laughs> and, all, and, all, and all these sorts of things. So we have mm-hmm. all these problems with actually trying to figure out Okay, how are we actually going to measure a year going forwards? Um, mm. And I believe there hasn't been any proposed adjustments to the Gregorian calendar yet. I think something like 2023 they were going to decide on whether they wanted so by, to... So by definition then, even with the advancements, is there never really going to be a completed 
model is it only just kind of improving you, is it kind of like you're converging on you can't converge on zero is it kind of like that it depends on your definition so this is the problem it's like it's more about the definition than it is about the actual uh problem because time is i mean time is relative this is the problem we have we have to measure it on something we have to decide mm. on a certain definition be some um, and atomic clocks are decided on to do with the frequency of, an, of uh, a cesium atom so if that's our def- if we're defining the second, I believe the second is defined metrically in terms of uh, uh, cesium atoms. So if we're defining it that way, then we can build a definition of what how that time passes. But the definition of a year is weird because the definition of a year is that where the Earth does one complete orbit of the sun? Is it where it's at the same position it was in the sky? Is it to do with mm. seasons? Is it to do with actually, yeah. you know? So we have all these problems where we have to be defining a year based on sort of what we want, um, and. Whereas a second, we can kind of come up with a pretty good, although, again, because of relativity, we have to we have to be quite careful of, of whether we're saying this is an absolute uh, measure of time. Um, but yeah, we, we have to pick a definition. So th- there's always going to be specificity, which is an issue. But of course, the Gregorian calendar, like I said, I think once every 3,000 years, about a day, we're going to um, lose, lose. Um, unless we adjust it. So eventually it probably will get adjusted because we'll need more and more accurate... Uh, time, but like I said, UTC at the moment is the best we have because again, that's to do with atomic clocks and things. But that's not actually to do with the calendar. That's more just to do with the number of seconds that have passed since about 1970 when UTC. I mean, you might see on computers when a file is totally yeah. Blanked. I was trying to think where I've actually seen um, that written down for yeah. UTC. You'll, you'll sometimes see 1970 as this in, as this like when your file is like reset, and that's because that's when universal coordinated time is technically started. So you have <laughs> everything sort of started in 1970 as far as digital files are concerned, and everything's counting a certain number past 1970. Oh, um, that's so cool. But I think other people wow. might not think that's cool. I think it's cool. <laughs> I think, yeah, I do. <laughs> I think it's really cool. <laughs> Fucking hope so. I was talking for like twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, okay. about it. We, no, that was that was sick. I did, didn't know most of that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Mm. yeah, despite the like pretty arbitrary nature of how it, all the years have worked out and everything, um, the, the idea of like having a marked point in the year where we reflect on the previous one it just seems like i mean just as a bit of testimony to how fucking powerful this idea is there are people in Times square that celebrate it and they're wearing like adult nappies yeah <laughs> just to stand there for it's ages it's a huge event there. have you ever been to london and actually yeah not for <laughs> been to London. Yeah, no, 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 I, you mean the whole Big Ben? Kind yeah, of you mean for New Year's? Of, yes, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I um, I actually, I was in New Year's. Uh, I was in New Year's. Christ, um, I was in London New Year's on twenty seventh. Start twenty. No, excuse me. Start twenty eighteen. Uh, and it was absolute bedlam. And I went to a rave at Printworks, which was really sick, actually. Nice. Um, I was the only sober person in the building. I um, didn't, didn't drink a drop of alcohol that night. That must have been fun. Oh, no, it was great. The music was You were the was only cracking. person who was elliptically aware of what was going on. No, was, was just cutting was, some disgusting shapes uh, on the floor. Uh, yeah, no, it was, I was... Dad dancing was out in full, <laughs> full effect. Um, but yeah, no, I think... Um, New Year's, as I, again, I kind of touched on this earlier, but it has just become yet another excuse for debauchery. Yeah, I, I tried. So I tried doing this uh, back in sixth form, I think, or maybe uni first year, quite a while ago now. So, uh, yeah, went into into the middle of London, instantly regretted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took like a couple of yeah. tubes together, but it, yeah, just absolutely, it's mental, and you can't like 
can't really drink or anything. All the bars are just completely rammed. And we got there about a few hours early. Yeah. It was just one of the, you know, we were obviously just fucking tourists. So it was, it was the really stupid idea. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, everything's just funneled into like little boxes, you know, little ropes and step this way, sir, and everything. And it's it's just crazy. You, and I don't Some know people what thrive that in that is. environment. Some people relish yeah. it. Some people do not like it. And I'd probably fall into the latter. Not because yeah. I would say you're completely introverted as such, but I feel, you know, pressured to have a good time. Um, I'm having to pay twice the amount for my drink. I have no room mm. to breathe. Uh, it's very likely, uh, statistically, I'd be you know more well involved in being punched in the face, for example. Yeah, yeah. But but just by the nature of there being more people out in a yeah, densely populated it, it, area as well. There's too many variables introduced. You get so many people there. It's like well, the chances of things happening are just like much more. Like, yeah. but are the chances of it happening to you less likely because there's more people? Mike drop. I want to backtrack a bit. You've just touched on a really interesting point. I completely forgot, and that is um, how people capitalise on the desperation of people to be involved in some sort of celebration on New Year's. So bars bump up their prices. Mm. They put out um, tickets for ticketed events way, way early, and they, when it comes to the last few waves of tickets, they're ridiculous prices. What do people think they're going to miss? You know what I mean? But it's, this it's, is it, and again, it's, it's it comes back to this night. societal yeah. pressure yeah. of you have to be here, and if you miss this, you're a cunt. I went to... Well, I, think what, I think it's a bit... Sorry, I think it's a bit... Uh, I don't know. It's a bit of a cop out to like to never do a New Year's ever. Like to be a complete recluse. Try before no, you buy. No, I, ag- I yeah. agree, but I think um, people capitalise on it with um, with bad intentions. I went to Whitechapel Fried Chicken. Um, apps done though. Shout out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, food hygiene rating three stars now. I think. Come on, moving up Jeez, in the world. I went there on New Year's. Uh, it was right next to my place, and I, I ate at this place regularly. It was literally my next door neighbour, just over the um, uh, the other entrance to the tube station, and they doubled their prices. I went in there, and I knew exactly how much meal number three costed, and I was like, "Excuse me, boss, why is this eight pounds fifty? And he was like, "New Year's, buddy." And I, I, I remember and thinking, less likely to question it. Precisely, if drunk, drunk less likely to question it, and also, who doesn't want to have fun on New Year's? Who doesn't want to go in with their mates and be a cheapskate yeah. on New Year's? Oh, it's New Year's, and it's just this crazy kind of pressure for all of the wrong reasons. And I think what we've touched upon in this podcast are the more meaningful aspects of New Year's that, in an ideal world, people would adopt and people would make that the focus. And it's just a shame it's turned into this big stampede of people that have to be at the, the place to be on New Year's, that have to be celebrating. If they don't, they're depressed. I know when I was younger, I had a New Year's in. I think I was like 19, 18 years old. I didn't do, do anything on New Year's. And I felt so shit about it. Mm. And looking back, it's like, why? I, I used to. Why yeah. did I feel shit about Absolutely it? Like, making me yeah. depressed because like every New Year's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, so the, the, last, the last two New Year's, I've fallen yeah. asleep at 8 p.m. and I've just woken up the next day and thought, well, actually, that was quite a good night's sleep. Well, but we... previously, <laughs> I probably would have disagreed with yeah, well, my well, here's, start. The, here's the thing. So that, that night in, um, in London, after that, I went to a bar in Camden. We, it took ages to get in. Got in there. And I, it was with my mate. I was just like, "What should we do? Should we be doing something right now?" Like it's and then people start counting. You know, ten, on, nine, move, eight. Poking yeah. and we're just move, like, move, do something. Yeah, move. <laughs> just, and then there's this guy. There's this guy who we've been sat with hasn't said a word because obviously there's limited seating. So he's just been mm. sat there just staring into the abyss. And um, on on the whole, hey, happy new year, and everyone's dancing. He stands up with his 
bottle, smashes it on the table. Oh, I'm just there in my cheap, like, brown suit, just, like, covered in glass, just like, uh, what? And then he gets, like, fucking thrown out. He obviously wasn't having a good New Year. But just, yeah, that was... <laughs> God, that's depressing. That's depressing. I, <laughs> that was, I thought he, you were going to say, he, like, he brought, he brought his demon no, 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 no. public life. No, 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 I thought no. this was going to be, like, this positive story. Of, oh, we joined him at the table. No, 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 no. I thought you were going. No, 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 no. I might have heard it before. What I wanted to say was... So that was the social pressure. That was the, you know, that was the bad one. I think the good one, the best one we had was much more contemplative. Which is where we went to that old country pub. We did the pub quiz. Um, yeah. Had a few drinks and then went back to our hometown and, and you know, just chatted and didn't get too, you know. So I think that, that's what I'm going to be doing this year anyways. Excuse me, Dungeons and Dragons New Year's Just Gone was fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, that one too. <laughs> we had Mr. Lust, Mr. Sam Lusted being the cultural appropriating, mildly racist and homophobic tree, um, which was an experience. We had your, your gnome. Called yeah, Chad. Uh, Chad no, the gnome. Yeah. No, I spent the whole night rolling about on my computer chair. But do you know yes. what I mean? That was quite a simple New Year's. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was fantastic. But, 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 at the end of that night, if you remember rightly, we were desperately running around Cheltenham yes. like a headless chicken, stressing because we couldn't get into a bar. We had to be part of it. No, no, we got to be in there. Where does that come from? Yeah, well, I was, I was. Mm. I I, yeah. I gave up. I, I I just stood in the middle of town. We did, and we yeah. stood by the fountain. And do you know what? I thought, fuck it. And I had Ashley with me, and I hate to be soppy, but like you know, that that was all I needed, man. Like that was great. Like I just sat there. Yeah. I, I just stood there and said Happy New Year to Ashley, and that was great. And I had you lot with me, and ultimately it's the FOMO, mate, fear of missing out. Yeah. I mean, when you're actually lot of the time in there in the moment, you kind of realize, well, actually, I got in there. Yeah, you're now what do I? Yeah, what do I do now? You're so busy trying to get Someone into this drink place. All over me. Great, the place you perceive to be where you need to be is actually not, and it's usually right there in front of you. Like I'm not being funny now. You've said you spend most of your New Year sat inside, not doing anything. Maybe that's what you like doing. Like maybe that's just maybe oh, that's, that's so tragic. But, but it's no, it's, but it's only because other people like, would say it's I tragic. Like but if you're happy, then fuck it. Like, do you know what I mean? I think yeah. an important thing for people to do on New Year's is make sure that they're spending it with the right people. That they're not doing something just because it's what everyone else says that they. This is why I think it's it's a really more spiritual thing because you, you're you're combining you know this looking at the past, taking stock, being reflective. You're you know, thinking about the future as well in the making of resolutions and thinking, you know, how am I going to make this year a better one or, a, you know, how am I going to keep this up or if, if it's been a good year previously. But then you've also got this whole present element as well. It's like all of time, thinking about all of time combined and you're thinking about, you know, you're enjoying the present a lot more than you would be. If, if you're getting New Year's celebrations right, at least, you're enjoying the present mm -hmm. a lot more than you would be normally. You know, you're just trying to have fun in the here and now. Yeah, I, I I think if I was going to kind of um, caveat what I just said is don't don't take what I'm saying is you can't go out and go to one of these big events that you know it's impossible to have fun. There are plenty of people out here that oh. genuinely go out and they have a wonderful night. I'm just saying yeah. when you ha when you plan your New Year's celebrations, think carefully about who you're spending it with, where you're doing it. And why you're doing it, and what you're going to be doing. Don't spend Sounds all like night a pu public yeah. service. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously, don't spend plan. don't spend all night chasing the fucking dragon. Because before you know it, New Year's will whiz you by, and you've missed a a night that we all have agreed is a good opportunity to have a profound sense of reflection, of projection, and of kind of experience in the here and now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yes. So happy numerical transition in the Gregorian calendar, everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Now he is single, ladies. Have a good one.
yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, New Year's, I just kind of really do nothing. You know, there's nothing, you know, proactive or, you know, negative I really do as such. <laughs> oh, you actually kind of started right, that. Okay, it's fucking disaster already. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, New Year's, right. Um, um, um. No, do you, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that wasn't even deliberate then mate I was just looking at the waveform on the logic <laughs> when you did that it just went <laughs> through the ceiling that was ceiling. definitely like a 9 on the Richter scale there <laughs> it's, well technically it's kind of like a timestamp though so for, for Connor editing now he mm. can just edit it by when I scream in, in hilarity at his failed yeah. attempt to start the podcast yeah. so you can use that right. as a edit point we can do chops yeah so guys New Year's nearly here what do you guys do for it <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> Try you guys once, please. Do you, are you qualified for this? No. Who hired you? 